0: Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast, where today's brightest minds in the medical device industry go to get their most useful and actionable insider knowledge direct from some of the world's leading medical device experts and companies.
1: All right, so what's the difference between quality management system and quality systems management? I know it seems like The difference might be subtle, same words, different order. Yeah, I get you, but there is a difference. And one really is about being proactive. It's about managing your business in a much more effective way. I'm really excited about this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast, where my guest, Larry Meger, who is a principal for a company called Management Control, MGMT-CTRL, we dive into the difference between QMS and QSM and then also give you a few tips and pointers about how you can. And employ these concepts and principles to better run more effective, more efficient businesses where the patient will benefit. Hello and welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast. This is your host, founder, and VP of Quality and Regulatory at Greenlight Guru, John Spear. And I'm really excited about today's conversation. With me on this, I have the principal from management control, Larry Mager, joining us. Larry, welcome.
0: Thank you, John. Good morning.
1: Now, Larry, good morning. And uh, you and I have had uh, quite a few conversations over the past, well, several months. And really, it's about this idea or this notion about really improving quality systems management. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And I want people to know a little bit more about what you're doing now with management control. Folks, go to wwwmgmt ctrl Dot com to learn more. But Larry, tell us a little bit about what you're doing with management control.
0: Sure. Management control was really founded on basically that concept of management control, but primarily on the the desire to affect change in terms of how people look at the quality discipline of quality management.
1: And, you know, in your experience, when you interact with companies, and I know we're going to talk a little bit more about this today, but what are some of the challenges? I mean, obviously, you started management control because you see that there's an opportunity to help. But what are some of the biggest challenges that you've seen uh, with the way companies handle this topic?
0: That's a great question. The one thing that I see is everybody is all over the map, even in terms of how they define quality management. And some organizations define it, I think, far too narrowly and far too passively. So as we define it, we start off with really you take the definition of the quality management system that ASQ puts out, which is that quality management system is a formalized system that documents processes, procedures, and responsibilities for achieving quality Policies and objectives. So it simply documents those things. And we expand quality management more in terms of two things. One is quality operations, which is the execution of a quality management system uh, or and adherence to that existing system, so the functional groups typically included would be QA, QC, QE. And then the other discipline within quality management is something that is not well addressed. And that's what we're really trying to focus on and addressing, which is this concept of quality systems management, QSM. So quality management systems is composed of quality operations, and quality systems management.
1: Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, and and folks, I I know it can get a little confusing because obviously the same words are used, but just in a slightly different order. But the context is really important. And, And Larry, when you talk about quality systems management, you know, I want to reiterate, this is about measure, manage, improve.
0: Absolutely. So this makes it not passive. It is active. The quality systems management solution that we espouse is to measure, manage, and improve the quality of products and processes, inclusive of addressing the cost of poor quality for organizations.
1: Right. Yeah. And so I think this is, um you know, and you and I have um, chatted recently, like one of the areas that I think that companies struggle with is like cost to poor quality, for example. I guess conceptually, I think we can wrap our heads around, yeah, poor quality is expensive. But in practice, that's a really difficult thing for companies. It seems to be anyway, for companies to put the, the appropriate measurements and management and improvements in place to truly get a handle on that. Do you have any thoughts on that?
0: Yes, it has been difficult. The quality profession typically has not done a good job of addressing that primarily. They've been more compliance-focused than I think quality-focused. And when you take a subject of basically the cost of poor quality and you start to look at that, you start to be able to break that up into the same concept of managing the quality of products and the quality of processes. So... What we've really done is be able to take these things, the quality, measure the quality of products, measure the quality of process, and then also look at the cost of poor quality and really approach it from what is a predictive analytics model. And let me define that too, because predictive analytics is something that when you start to look for the definitions out there of what people say, again, it's all over the map. So our view of predictive analytics is... The practice of extracting information from existing data sets to determine patterns that may predict future outcomes and trends if, and if is the big word in this sentence, if nothing is done to change the underlying fundamentals that are driving the data. Thus, the bigger picture goes back to measure, manage, and improve product and
1: process quality and you know i want to dive into that compliance angle for a moment because as you know we've done a lot of work with fda cdrh and the case for quality trying to promote that program and you know this is one of those things where the case for quality is seems to be beating that drum a bit on you know we've been as an industry we've been too focused on compliance and we need to shift our focus to be more quality oriented you know, and again, and conceptually, I, I can wrap my head around it, but you know, in practice, that gets a little bit tricky, and especially, you know, how do I measure that? And you know, a lot of the things that I've seen throughout my 20-plus year career is, you know, a lot of companies do a pretty good job of setting KPIs or different metrics for for different processes or different aspects of their business, but they do seem to be very, very compliance oriented in what we're measuring and. And I think this is what you know. I've interpreted that behind a big part of the FDA's message is that, hey, industry, we need to we need to sort of reevaluate how we're measuring our products, how we're reevaluate how we're measuring our products and processes, and everything that goes into the, the management of our business. And I think this is really you know sort of the foundation of what you're trying to do with management control and with quality systems management.
0: Yes, that's very accurate. I think the shift from a focus on compliance to a focus on quality, little q, is exactly what the Case for Quality initiative is trying to affect. We have developed basically a measurement structure which, as you said, is foundational. If you're going to manage something, you have to measure it properly, and if you're going to improve something, it has to also come from good measurement and effective management of that, that information. So what we have done is not only create a suite of measures that we believe are patient-centric and in support of the medical device quality and safety initiatives that not only case for quality but also EUMDR are embarking upon we have a suite of metrics that is also capable of being what we call our standardized, capable of standardized measurement. And Why that is important is because we can apply these measures top-down so they're not the same as KPIs. They are a group of measures for product processing cost of poor quality that can also be managed in focus of product, managed in focus of QMS processes at the different levels inside of a company and managed across an enterprise that might have multiple quality systems and multiple different ways that they currently measure and manage themselves. So, our our standard, our measurement foundation creates that standardized suite of measures that enables an, an organization to better understand their constraint and what to target at the varying levels and across the enterprise.
1: All right, so really what you're all about here is, uh, and I guess help me with this, uh, and help our audience with this, who should care about quality systems management within an organization? And and it's a, uh, I don't mean to be flip with the question, but I I wanna be very crystal clear to the audience uh, of why this matters and and who should be paying attention to this.
0: Sure. Well, first of all, the entire executive team management responsibility does go to the entire executive team, but also the person who would be the head of quality or the chief quality officer must be looking at this, especially now in light of the new EU MDR, PRRC, and that's person responsible for regulatory compliance. Those requirements are all about actively measuring and understanding product and process quality and confirming that before product is even released. So it's the executive team, it's the head of quality who is obviously supporting the executive team but directly responsible, and then anybody managing any group that has quality management system processes that they must execute and adhere to, they need to care because. In this framework, the idea is if we're going to be able to measure it at those different levels, we're going to be able to better manage it. And obviously, then it helps the organization better focus on improving those processes. And then finally, and probably the most importantly, it all comes down to people, the people in the organization who actually execute those processes. They want good, compliant, effective and efficient processes within which they can do their work,
1: yeah, absolutely, and you know I, I think sometimes when when people hear something with the adjective of quality in front of it, they a lot of people just tune out and like, "Oh, not part of the quality department, not really something I need to worry about, but that's not it's not the era that we 're in today. I mean those of us who have been in this industry for a while, you know we've seen a lot of evolution on interpretation of quality management systems, of course. But but even if you're not in a traditional quality role within an organization, this is an important topic, especially, you know, there have been documentaries on Netflix, there have been, you know, different websites and patient advocacy groups that have formed over the past several years. And it's all, and it's all pointing out problems with products, you know, uh, you know, when this device goes bad and, you know, it's, it's a terrible situation whenever you know a patient has some sort of adverse event and you know i think this is really what why i think your your approach is refreshing because it it gives action to uh, a company or or sets the framework if you will so that the company can take action to stay on top of this i think you know we look at historically like specifically like fda ins- inspectional uh, data you know, 43 observations, warning letters, almost always at the top of the list is Kappa. A big part of me believes that uh, the reason for that is we're very much in a reactive state as as an industry. We wait for things to happen. And that is just, it's a, it's a terrible situation to be in. So what can we do as a medical device company to be more proactive? And from the little bit that you've shared with me about management controls approach and the quality system management efforts, uh, this seems to be a framework that a company can, can put in place to really allow them to be more proactive.
0: Yes, I absolutely agree. So again, this all goes into that terminology and, and understanding people really taking the time to think about the terminology, but the terminology of management control. So you have a quality management system. You're supposed to manage the quality of product and process Right. So let's take product since you touched on that, and you think about the, the concept that uh, we touched on earlier that we're, we're trying to go away from a, uh, a culture of compliance and go to a culture of quality. So people who were in more of a compliance mode, if they looked at just the QSRs, and I'm using that as an example, in 82030, it talks about something called an essential design output, and that is something that comes out of a design program and goes into a production operation. It is something, some aspect of a product that is essential to the function or safety of a device, right? Well, that concept is never mentioned again in the QSRs. So if you think about the FDA and the findings and the data that that you also referenced, there's no opportunity for organizations to be cited for not having placed critical to quality control in verification and validation activity in a production environment to better understand the quality of product and production process, right? So the reactive nature of organizations is to go back and do these remediation activities and they can be boil the ocean type of activities. And you always hear people talk about starting in with the design control process and doing a better job of transferring those essential design outputs. However, if you think about the patient, you think about those product quality issues in the market today, we really don't need to go back through that effort in order to look forward into the market and see exactly how those products fail. And here I'll reference actually the FDA enforcement guidance that was published on December 27th of 2016, so very recent, and it's the FDA's intention of enforcement when they find quality system issues. It's called benefit-risk enforcement. And what they basically ask of companies is to first understand the benefit-risk of your products, meaning look in the market. What's going on with those products? And then how are you controlling that? And so I guess what I'm trying to say here is we, we can take active measures today. If we're measuring properly product and process quality, we can take active measures today to take known harm or known high harm, wherever the line is drawn. And those failure modes and come back into the production operations and put critical to quality control in place. And all by itself, that will have an effect immediately upon the quality of the product going into the market.
1: Folks, I wanna remind you all I'm talking to Larry Mager. Larry is principal with management control again you can find more about management control by going to www.mgmt-ctrl.com and of course this is John Spear, the founder VP of quality and regulatory at Greenlight Guru and you know what Larry's talking about quality management system and design controls 82030 Greenlight Guru has built an eQMS software platform specifically for the medical device industry designed by medical device professionals. So uh, if you want to learn more about how our software can improve your not only your QMS, but a means to help you with your quality systems management, help you better manage uh, essential design outputs and that transfer to production and manage all those events that go along with that. I would encourage you to go to www.greenlight.guru and request more information. All right, so Larry, you, you mentioned something that I think is really important here. You talked about eight twenty thirty. You talked about the essential design output and how the ideal behind this is this becomes those critical to quality attributes or aspects of a product. And I've often talked about you know companies who have complaints or they have uh, post market quality events that. In some respects, that is kind of a, a measure or, or an analysis, if you will, of how well they do during the design and development process. Do you have any opinions about that?
0: Absolutely. So, and it's, a, it's kind of ongoing from the thought that I just laid out previously that there has not been a good focus on what are those critical to quality controls in production. Likewise, in my career, I've not really seen companies save one do a really good job at looking at product that is released against controls such as that against the level of quality that they predicted based upon their risk system and controls and and make adjustments and so you know you also you mentioned the complaints the aspect of complaints which were the failure modes coming back from the field from the market and how often do you see companies actively link market or product failure modes in the market to controls in production and non-conformance codes and and actively manage that in a very similar way through both risk and kappa. And the answer to that is it's rare, to be quite frank, it's rare. And so we, I think in the medical device industry, we need to do a much better job yeah. of getting our hands on product quality and understanding that product quality in in the market is only a reflection of process quality within a quality management system.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a really good point of view, and I tend to agree with you. I, I see here's sort of the perspective that I often see is is like there's this mad dash or this rush to get through the de- design and development process, and you know, get that regulatory permission or clearance or approval or whatever that that regulatory pathway is, uh, so that I can get through that hurdle and get to market. But there are Honestly, there are some real subtle and relatively, I'll say, easy things in the grand scheme of things that can be incorporated through the design and development process. I mean, you know, things like design for manufacturability, that, that's a good practice. I mean, I mean, there are other tools out there like design for Six Sigma, you know, good human factors, good process development. I think that's where, you know, uh, we drop the ball as an industry. I, I think we spend a lot of time designing our device you know the, the product but i don't think we do as good a job as we can be at defining or or documenting or designing really our our manufacturing processes that go into building that device i think there's that opportunity for improvement
0: i wholeheartedly agree you know i think john i've in our conversations before i've recognized you and i have sort of uh, Two unique focuses areas of focus, maybe foci <laughs> you're very strong in the discipline of, of design and design control and, and I understand that and that 's for the product for the future, so improving those processes uh, so that they are more effective, obviously compliant but more effective at getting the results that that they need to have and more efficient in doing so is very important for future product A quality systems management strategy is one where it focuses more on product that is already being marketed and how do organizations work backward from from the marketed product, the product that's released and affecting people today. How do they work backward and get that control that they need to today? And the concepts are similar. So that's where you and I meet or in those the idea of what gets transferred into production, yeah. how good are those production processes. And what you're touching on are really capability and stability.
1: Absolutely. And I want to hopefully squash a myth right away. For those listening who maybe are in the software as a medical device, they may hear the notion of production and these sorts of things. And they may say, oh, this does, this topic does not apply to me because I have software as a medical device. So I don't need to worry about all this stuff. What would you say to, to an SAMD company who, who may have that, that opinion?
0: That goes back to the concept of what is a quality management system. Every single thing, every, everything that you have to manage the quality of your products and processes is in play. And if you have a medical device that is a, a software component, that has to be controlled within that system. It has to be managed appropriately, just like a product.
1: Yeah. So, folks, if you're in that SAMD space or you have software that's a component of your product, uh, these principles most definitely uh, apply to you. And, And frankly, they apply to any company of any shape and size who is making a product of any shape and size. These are just really good business practices. This is about managing your internal quality, but you know the performance of your product. You know what happens when people use your product. I mean, the whole goal of being a medical device professional, I think, should be everyone's objective anyway, uh, is to improve the quality of life. That's why we develop and design and manufacture medical devices is to to have a positive impact on life. So, so do take this seriously, regardless of your device type regardless of, of your complexity, regardless of your classification, this will help. these principles will help you run a better business.
0: Well said.
1: Yeah. So, Larry, you know, before we wrap things up uh, on this conversation today, what other tidbits or, or key tips do you want the audience to, to take home with them today?
0: Well, I guess I really would like them to, to sit and think about the concept of a quality systems management strategy. To better manage the quality management system and the concept of management really gets into the measurement, monitoring, reporting, and review of the product and process data that is utilized to create the information necessary and in the way that it's standardized and stratified across the organization. Because... Then it comes down to, so, so measure, manage, and improve, you get to the place where if you can turn your data into actionable information, then you can manage what you need to and identify your constraints, whether it's it's a constraint in compliance, effectiveness, efficiency, or critical to quality control, cost of poor quality, you can identify those constraints and you can get into an active improvement cycle and a focused and targeted improvement cycle. And it'll bring sanity back to your organization. There are way too many remediation programs that are enormous and not well-defined strategically also, in my opinion. And so, for example, if you've gone through a remediation strategy and it only addressed the compliance of your quality system, but it didn't address the effectiveness of the processes or the efficiency of your business, You actually have a bigger challenge now to unwind and ensure that these processes work for your business. So it's a complete cycle. And I would urge people to really think about what is the approach?
1: Yeah, and I would as well. And that remediation is a good example. You know, that's another case where oftentimes we are reactive as an industry. We wait for the noncompliance issues to uh, rear their ugly head in the form of an FDA inspection or an ISO audit or something like that, and then our actions are largely. Compliance oriented, but you know we have an opportunity, uh, and and I would encourage you all to to not wait for those remediation events to to surface. You know, take action now because this will you know again it'll help you. I, I know I sound like a broken record, but it'll, it'll help you run a better business. And and Larry, as you were chatting, I was thinking of one other scenario that it's pretty common in our industry today, where a company they may have the IP, they may own the design responsibilities, but Oftentimes they'll be working with maybe a third-party resource in the form of a contract manufacturer, and you know I've even heard some companies say, "Oh well, I don't I don't have to worry about my QMS because I'm outsourcing that to my contract manufacturer." You know, for companies that are that have that mindset, what would you say to them as as some advice?
0: They own it. The executives in that company uh, have the responsibility to make sure that it works well and. You know, I would love to have this conversation with, further with people because it gets into the supply chain management. But uh, So here's the way I say it to people. If you consider the manufacturing that others are doing for you, it's no different than if you were doing it internally. It just happens to be done at a different location. But if it's contracted by you, you own it. And these concepts that I've talked to, and if you look into EUMDR, and the responsibilities in EUMDR, the responsibility to control the quality at your supplier or your contract manufacturer, you own those. So understanding if you have a critical to quality manufacturing process or quality attribute of a product that is being done outside of your walls, you need to manage that. And manage it more actively, additionally, I would say, from a business perspective, and we didn 't touch on this enough all the way talked about cost of poor quality, you might be gaining a cost from um, a cost benefit from manufacturing externally, and I hope you are I hope people do. But if you don't manage that, that could turn into cost of poor quality very quickly. So you have to have a relationship. You have to be in control. You have to own it. You're responsible.
1: Yeah, it's, I can't say it any better, folks. You know, and I think you know, oftentimes or sometimes anyway, you may be you know, you have this great idea for a new product, and you may take it through the design and development process, and and at some point in time, you want to transfer. The manufacturing responsibility to you know a third party resource such as a contract manufacturer, but if you know these these are table stakes to being a medical device company. You know it's, if you're an executive with that company, as Larry said very well, you ultimately have that responsibility. So. So keep your finger on the pulse, be engaged, be involved throughout this process. So Larry, just to kind of uh, wrap up the conversation today, any other content or information or guides or, or information that do you think uh, would be helpful or places that you can point people to, to learn more about what you're doing in management control and, and your quality systems management initiatives?
0: Well, obviously, I would encourage people to reach out and let's talk about this, talk about their needs. I think the organizations that are going through the EU MDR transformation initiatives, they need to think less in terms of checking the box to meet requirements and more in terms of getting control of product and process quality. And then the only other thought I would have is is I want them to think about the concept of the stakeholders. The ultimate stakeholder is the patient. And the patient is what the medical device industry serves in the healthcare industry and if you think about the regulatory stakeholders that's their ultimate constituent as well so i would just encourage people to think about the concept of a quality systems management plan to augment their quality management system structure and i know it as john said earlier it's confusing but it's real simple a quality management system to find inside of a company is is passive. And there are much more active things that can be done to manage that. And I would encourage people to really think about it because the stakes are higher. The healthcare industry is going to be starting to be more punitive in not allowing poor product into the market as the payer systems get better. It's time for quality management to take three steps forward inside of the medical device industry if your company is going to stay viable in this industry.
1: All right. Thank you, Larry. And folks, I want to remind you all to go check out what Larry and his team at Management Control are doing. Again, you can go to www.mgmt-ctrl.com. Uh, there's some really great uh, content and information. They have a great blog. Uh, speaking of patient-centric... Uh, there 's a, a really great post that Larry wrote uh, a couple months ago on patient centric ecosystem i 'm going to encourage you to check that out and um, you know if you have any questions for him, uh, feel free to reach out. Uh, I think a good email address is info info at dot com to learn more about what larry 's doing and, and how he might be able to help you. Again, I want to remind you all the quality management system is also foundational to, to running a, a good business. And it's more than just the quality function who has responsibility of this. So, you know, we've built the Greenlight Guru EQMS platform to help you manage your business in, in a more effective way. We have workflows that are built into the platform. Again, this is designed specifically and exclusively for the medical device industry. So go to www.greenlight.guru to learn more about the Greenlight Guru EQMS. Once again, this is your host, founder and VP of Quality and Regulatory at Greenlight Guru. And you have been listening to the Global Medical Device Podcast.